Welcome to Questioning Your Answers podcast, where we explore beauty and transform our narratives. Well, today we're going to explore an exciting theme, um, the theme of miracles. And it's, a, again, such a joy to welcome you. Uh, Tom, thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation. And um, the theme of miracles, I think we want to look at it from a few angles. You know, what is it? Uh, do we, Can we say anything about its operation, how it works? Are there any clues as to whether we can participate in it or, or not? Yeah. Um, so we're going to look at it from a few different angles, the how why, what it is. Maybe a good place to start, though, is um, I love the practicality of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, to start with, you know, maybe something that we have all experienced. Each of us might have um, something we've experienced or witnessed that we would consider to be more surprising or miraculous. Um, and do you want to start, Andre? Yeah. Give I'll... me a chance to think. <laughs> I'll start and then I'll hand it over to you, Thomas. Um, there are a few events, but I thought maybe I'll start off with the earliest experience that I had that I would consider miraculous. Um, there, there might have been more, but that, that kind of stands out. I was probably about eight or nine years old and went onto a, a, a children's camp, a church camp, um, in a very isolated uh, area of South Africa. And interestingly, during this camp, for the first time, there was a lady there who spoke about the miracles of Jesus specifically the healing miracles, and um, made the statement that they are still available today. You know, God is still operating. So that was kind of new within the denomination or the area that I grew up, up with. But while sitting on the floor in this hall with all the other kids, I heard my brother uh, call out to me saying, Andre, Andre, and as I turned around, I put my hand onto a scorpion, which was the very reason he was calling out to me, is there's a scorpion on its way to you. And this specific kind of scorpion uh, was rather poisonous. Uh, young children and maybe older people who had a weak heart, but there's been cases of uh, fatalities because the pain was just so intense. So. I, of course, started yelling as, as it stung me. My hand immediately swelled, and quite a big swelling. And the ministers and my brother, they grabbed me and started praying. And in that moment, I was suddenly somewhere else. I, I don't know how to describe it always, but I remember just a white mist and out of this mist, two hands appeared. And I just knew nothing had to be said, but I kind of just knew within myself, this is Jesus. Uh, and one hand was empty, and the other hand had the gift in it. 
And what I heard is you can come and be with me or you can receive this gift of healing. And I intuitively just, you know, grabbed for the gift of healing. I mean, I'm eight years old. I'm not supposed to go anywhere. Else. I don't want to be with Jesus. <laughs> and there's a present. <laughs> there's a present. <laughs> there's, I uh, so I immediately reached for that. And um, I was immediately back to my in my body and, and the swelling just disappeared. So that was one of the earliest what I would call an unusual, miraculous event that I experienced. Um, there's been many more, but maybe you can take one of them. But Tom, can you give us an example? I think I'd like to give two examples. I'll make them very brief. And I, the reason I want to choose two is because I think they're unusual. Mm -hmm. The first one um, is what I consider a miracle. The the Berlin Wall coming down in 1989. Now, mm. a lot of times when people think of miracles, they think of some a story like you had or a healing. Mm. But uh, I want to put uh, a global event on the table as a miracle. The Berlin Wall coming down was a surprise to a lot of people, including me. So there's one. The second one uh, is personal, but I'm going to put it on the table because I have thought I've wondered a lot about this over the years. Yes. My mother went to a conference on healing. Mm -hmm. She came back and she said, um, I really believe God's given me the gift of healing. And I want to demonstrate this. Um, sit down in a chair, put your legs forward, and let's see if your legs are the same length. So we did this. She said, nope, one leg is maybe an inch longer than the other. Now let me pray for you. She prayed for me. We measured again, and according to her, they were the same length. Mm -hmm. I have thought about that over the years and wondered what was going on there. Does that qualify as a miracle? Is this just the way she measured things? So I'm going to put one on the table that's a quest, big question yes. mark in my mind as well. <laughs> that's exciting. Maybe I do. <laughs> so, so maybe I must go back as well um, to, and this this being because we've we've experienced you know going into Zimbabwe and experience witnessing um, bodily miracles and all sorts. But I, I was just thinking of something that really changed the course of my life. I was eleven. Um, my mom had passed away. Um, which is a very young age to lose your mom. And so for the next year, I kind of walked around in a bit of a haze trying to reinterpret relationships and and really just coming to terms with the reality mm. that she was gone because I was prevented from going to the funeral. Um, so, you know, my dad thought he was he was trying to help prevent me from the pain, but I didn't have that closure. And so that year was really just wandering around, kind of trying to navigate how how I do life. And and there was a specific event. I was in the mountains. I was helping with a, a children's camp. And so I was 12. This was exactly a year after she passed. And I was sitting on the stairs and there's this beautiful sunrise, sunset, sorry. And I just remember not being able to take in anything. It was just flat. And then the most incredible grief came over me. And physically, I felt like I was being strangled. And I was kind of gasping for breath, 
and mm. it was like this dark, almost visible kind of cloud over me. And in that moment, I hear my mom's voice as if she's sitting right next to me. And I hear she used to call me Melan, and I hear Melan, and I, I was immediately. <laughs> um, and the message was, I am absolutely fine where I am. I am so happy. And then the next thing was, now I have a message for you. I want you to live your life to the full and never, ever let my death be an excuse for you not to live. And um, in that moment, I just mm. felt, oh, I could breathe again. And just so symbolically, which I didn't realize at the time, um, the sun streamed in. <laughs> I could actually experience its light. Yeah. I could experience the warmth. And I can honestly say from that day forward, I knew I didn't understand what happened in that moment at all. I didn't understand how, why. I knew it was good because it changed the trajectory of my life. I had permission to live. And mm. um, and it was just a complete surprise mm. from being in a place of mm. just absolute um, yeah. darkness and despair. Um, so I would say that that is... It was quite a profound moment yeah. and surprising moment for me. I think to put that in context as well, you weren't really within a Christian community, a faith community or at all. My at that mom state. had been. She yeah. had been. Yeah. But that was kind of, it wasn't part of your church life to experience no. anything no. miraculous. <laughs> <It's a surprise>. <laughs> <laughs> and for me at that moment, you know, I wasn't thinking God's broken through. I was yeah. thinking my mom has met me in this moment. She's yeah. assured me, you know, there was this comfort. She's yeah. gone. And, but I have permission to live. Life carries on and I don't need to be defined by that moment forever. Yeah. So, yeah. That Beautiful. Is, well, those are very diverse examples, but I think yeah. in all of them, there's a few elements that stand out for me. Um, the one is it's it's an unusual event. Mm -hmm. It's not your normal day-to-day -day kind of experience or event. And secondly, it seems like God was somehow more involved in that than what we normally experience his mm -hmm. involvement in our day-to-day -day lives. Mm -hmm. Does that strike you as, as something you'd agree with, Tom? Yeah, I think so. The whole God thing, exactly how that's going to work mm -hmm. out, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Um, I do think it's interesting that when we and other people I know give an example of a miracle, like the ones we just did, it's mm -hmm. unusual, mm -hmm. but people don't say, you know, it was a miracle when my sister was raped. They mm -hmm. don't point to negative yes. events that are unusual yes. or they don't say, you know, wow, I was, it was a miracle that he was struck by lightning and killed. No, yeah. it's, that's unusual, but you don't use that word. At least no one I know uses yes. the word miracle for something that's unusual, but bad. 
And mm. all our stories are pointing to something, maybe my story with the feet growing is an exception, but even that one, we all thought it was a good thing that my feet were, the, or my legs were the same length. So I'll, okay. I'll add the goodness element to it as well. Yes. And maybe also even with Mary Ann, as she said, at that stage, she did not uh, have a, a context for God. She experienced her mom and and the understanding that God was doing something in her life kind of that came later. Yes, uh, yeah. That more fully unfolded later. Yeah. So maybe maybe what we can do is address a few misunderstandings about miracles. First of all, I, I think even based on those experiences, sometimes the way in which people understand miracles is that we have a world that mm -hmm. operates on its own and by its own laws. And then from time to time, God intervenes to come and disrupt the trajectory of our natural laws or the or and and basically suspends natural law for a time to do something that would not otherwise happen and so that kind of idea of a miracle for me it, it takes away the reality that god is continually present Indeed, in yeah. all of all of life even the ordinary things that is for me just something so beautiful that we can start becoming aware that God is involved, not just in the unusual, but in the day-to-day -day usual activities. So I would kind of mark that kind of understanding of a God that's distant and then comes and intervenes. Mm -hmm. I would say, don't quite agree with that, that kind of idea of miracle. Is there... Any other misunderstandings about miracles or in your definition, Tom, that you would want to add to that? Yeah, I really like what you just said. And I think the folks who are participating in this video, mm -hmm. that might be a radical move right off the bat that mm -hmm. God is always with us, always active. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one I would want to put on the table, and this is going to probably be a bold proposal to many people who are watching this or listening. Um I want to say, and, and this is a claim I'm making, I can't prove this. I don't know this with certainty. Mm -hmm. I haven't been given this, you know, message from God, and I'm not absolutely certain about this. But um, I also think that God's action in the world is never controlling or coercive. Yeah. So um, I know this is going to be a point of contention for a lot of people, but I wonder if we can talk about miracles not as God who's always with us occasionally taking control of us or the situation mm -hmm. and single-handedly making things happen. Yeah. I wonder if we can talk about miracles in a way that God is always present and always active, but sometimes we're more aware of that action or God has more ways of acting than usual or something that's unusual, but doesn't require God to control in the sense of single-handedly bringing about a result. Yes. yes. And even, I mean, that that opens up a, a beautiful possibility, and that is the idea that we can participate in the process of what is miraculous. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I think the, the kind of word of faith ministries that I've been in, you know, 
exposed to from a young age, I kind of have a bit of a reaction <laughs> against that. And I, I think you had the, the similar experiences because in many of those movements, they try and make the miraculous a formula. But mm -hmm. if you just do A, B, and C, it's guaranteed that God will do this. Right. It's kind of a way in which you can manipulate God to get the results you want. So I don't want to go to that place to say we have the formula yeah. that guarantees <laughs> the miraculous. But I do want to say that there is definitely throughout the the witness of the scriptures and even within our own experience, I think there's this consistent witness that the openness of people to the unexpected, mm -hmm. the openness of people or the, the re receptivity, the expectation that something unusual mm -hmm. is possible yeah. does make the miraculous more likely. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus speaking always about your faith had something to do with it. It might not be the whole picture, but it definitely is a piece within this puzzle is your openness to God's activity, unusual activity mm -hmm. in your life. But as I think you highlighted a point as well, it's not a presumptuous thing, because I think often we've we've tried mm. to manipulate and think, well, you know, it's it's our faith that does it, or those that haven't experienced a miraculous event or haven't had healing. We've often you know, encounter people who are so disappointed and mm. actually feel condemned mm. um, because they haven't received the miraculous mm. that they were promised. And I was just thinking of, you know, the statement for, for God, all things are possible. You know, we, we, we serve a God who is the God of the impossible. Um, but could you elaborate a little bit on that, Tom, because, um, there's obviously certain things that aren't possible for God. And why? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this yesterday because at the church I attend, we were uh, we were reading Mary's response and and their line of, you know, it's the, anything is possible for God or all things are possible for God. And um, many people in my life have used that to make claims about what God can do in the world. And mm -hmm. I have found that to be troublesome for a number of reasons. Early on, I found it troublesome because I was thinking, look, if God can do anything, nothing is impossible, then why doesn't God stop the Holocaust, yeah. the rape, the torture, you know, all the kind of problem of evil things. But then as I got older, I also realized that if God can do anything, nothing is impossible, then we should say things like, well, it's possible for God to stop existing, or mm. it's stop possible for God to tell a lie, mm. or it's possible for God to say, you know, being triune, you know, is kind of limiting. I'm going to be 892 <laughs> from now on, or, you know, something like that. And so mm. there are other reasons also to think that not actually everything is possible yeah. for God to do, yeah. but maybe we should say everything is possible for God to do within the character of God and the relationship God has with the world, assuming that the world also has some creaturely capacity, some integrity, some power, some agency yes. itself. 
Yes. And that, uh, I think that is so important because mm. one of the most contentious areas about miracles are those instances where people really needed the miracle mm -hmm. and yeah. it did not happen, uh, which led to great disappointment or pain, etc. And so I was thinking of that scripture, with God, all things are possible. And then I thought of the title of your book, God Can't. <laughs> <laughs> little contrast and, there. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, what you argue for in, and what you present in the book is that God can't by himself mm -hmm. unilaterally take control and make things happen. But with God, I think that is yes. so important about that scripture. It it doesn't just says God can do whatever he wants and it's all possible, but it uses that word with. Mm -hmm. There's something about a relationship with God. Yeah. Even when he doesn't speak about God and he speaks about all things are possible to those who believe, There's that belief uh, speaks about a certain kind of relationship between ourselves and God, mm -hmm. which is synchronized and focused into an area that makes the unusual more likely. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that that aspect that you highlight, Tom, that this is not just a blanket statement that God can at any time intervene, does, do what he likes. That kind of idea about God has caused so much disappointment mm. with <laughs> God was supposed to act here and he did not. Mm. Um, yes, I got a note on Facebook yesterday from a woman whose husband had recently died who'd read God Can't. And prior to reading that, you know, she was asking the question so many people ask when they're faced with genuine evil, you know, yeah. God, if you can do anything, then why didn't you stop my husband's accident? Why did he have to die? Yes. Did you allow it? You know, that's what she heard. Everyone said, well, God didn't kill your husband, but God allowed it. And she thought, well, look, if God is loving and nothing is impossible for God, then it's loving to stop what happened to my husband. Yes. But to think that God can't even prevent evil single-handedly, mm. uh, for at least many people, that's good news <laughs> because it meant that God wasn't sitting around and allowing bad things to happen. Absolutely. I think that probably brings the whole side of things where, where God has put certain things in motion and empowered through his love um this whole universe you know from mm. ourselves to you know and you think of the life that is happening and ongoing and if love has put that all in motion love is all also drawing us to those greater possibilities mm. or those surprising yeah. Yeah. events but it is a drawing it's not a a control it's mm. um you know, this is possible for you, um, yeah. which I think is so beautiful. I think it, mm. that is a relational God. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a God who is inviting and, and pouring out into our existence and saying, come on from, you know, from every cell in your body to everything that you see, 
there's vibration of life and possibility and um, it's not just presumptuous uh, you know that I can claim and say certain things and have you know like we said a Mm. formula but Mm. but how beautiful to be drawn into the miraculous that that kind of reminds me of John 15 if we if we start thinking about what is our part or what is our participation in the miraculous and and maybe i must first throw this out because i know we both enjoy some of the ideas that uh, that's present within process philosophy and process theology but within that view uh, they recognize that the laws of nature are more, uh, they have room for possibility. They're not determinative. They are probabilistic. And so within those laws of nature, there are room for surprising mm-hmm. possibilities to realize. The other thing they recognize is that this this law of creativity that that God is absolutely participating within each moment mm-hmm. to draw us towards what is beautiful, toward what is good, to to greater value. Mm-hmm. You know, that's present in every moment. But despite God's continual presence within each moment, there's also possibilities that doesn't just vary in terms of goodness and and mediocre or less good, but there's also some possibilities that are much more unlikely Mm. than likely. And I I think that's another way of saying this is unusual events. And so in... In John 15, there's that beautiful passage where Jesus says, if you abide Mm. in me and you allow my thoughts and my words to abide in you, the Greek has got such a beautiful sequence to what happens then. It says, you will desire, you will ask, and it will be created. And so I see within that, that even when we start participating with God imaginatively within our thoughts about these unlikely possibilities, Mm -hmm. these unlikely things that are good, that are beautiful, that very act of participating imaginatively with it starts stirring up desires. Mm -hmm. I mean, we might not know how we can positively affect our community. But by simply allowing the desire Mm. to take root, that is already a part of this process of unusual things (laughs) are becoming more likely. Uh, uh, And they become so, so possible then within your own mind that you have to you have the boldness to ask to say god come on let's do something about this or or that Uh, uh, and what a delight it is for for our source our creator to then um, participate with us in that 
how do you understand does that gel with you in terms of your understanding of our participation tom yeah it does i like it a great deal um and i i, I want to bring in another element in mm -hmm. the conversation that i think is important to think through the the miraculous we've talked a lot about god acting and we've made the claim that god is always present always acting and and we've suggested that maybe god can't control things mm -hmm. and then we've also emphasized the role of participation that we have to cooperate with god mm -hmm. and sometimes when we cooperate unusual things happen that are miraculous the third element i want to bring into the conversation is the element that i'll call factors and actors outside ourselves. Mm. So let me take two uh, cases. Um, let's say there's someone who is suffering from cancer mm. and uh, they believe God wants to heal them because God wants good and God's already active. And they're praying, God, I want to cooperate with you. I want to, I want to respond to your leading in my life. I'm going to cooperate with all the physicians because God, you might be calling them to help me in this. But the person continues to have cancer. What's going on? They're cooperating. God's acting. So I like to bring in the fact that there are other forces and factors in the world. And in this case, it would be cells in their own body that have some capacities of their own that might not be cooperating with God. Mm -hmm. And so we don't need to blame the cancer victim for not having enough faith or not right. participating or cooperating we don't need to blame God for saying, well, God's just got some kind of plan in your life to have cancer. We can blame other factors and actors. In this case, maybe the cells in the body. Mm -hmm. The second example, um, maybe this is a more, um, this is going to be triggering maybe for some people, but I want to use it because I think some of the people listening to this may have experienced this. Yeah. Let's say there's a young boy who's being sexually abused by an older boy. Now, Let's imagine God wants to stop that. I think that's the case. I don't think God is in the business of uh, affirming or, or wanting sexual abuse. And let's say this boy is praying and wanting to do what God wants, but yet continues to be sexually abused. Mm -hmm. Is it the boy's fault? No. Is it God's fault? No. I would want to say God is calling the sexual abuser to stop the abuse, but the sexual abuser is not cooperating with God. Mm -hmm. I bring all of this up to say, as much as I want to talk about God lovingly acting all the time, and that's important, essential, in fact, and our cooperation, there mm -hmm. might be some other factors and actors that not only do us harm and we can't control them, sometimes we actually benefit from other people helping us mm -hmm. uh, and when we're not really cooperating. Mm -hmm. So. That muddies the water, but I just want to throw those no, ideas I, out. I think those are the questions around miracles that mm -hmm. are so relevant to, yeah. to know it's possible, to know that the actors are diverse. Yes. I think the most important thing that we've touched on is both God's character and willingness to mm -hmm. participate with us mm -hmm. for, for surprising, beautiful good. But the reality is evil still happens. Yes. And, um, so sometimes it's not due to God's lack of desire or mm -hmm. will to act, but it's just the nature of the reality that's created, that it can resist <laughs> yeah. the intentions of God and our good, good intentions. But um, let's end off on 
on this. Thank you so much for all that input. I think mm -hmm. that, that has given lots of people a lot to think about. But um, let's end off on, on this. Our whole world is full of wonder. Our every moment, even the ordinary things, is pregnant with the presence of God, and and He is so ready, so willing to manifest Himself, and He invites us to participate with Him in these beautiful possibilities. So. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances are that, that you're in, uh, maybe take John 15 as a starting point, that I'm just going to allow myself to become aware of the, the one in whom I'm present, the one in whom I abide. I'm going to start allowing his thoughts to occupy me instead of, thoughts of fear and thoughts of lack and thoughts of what uh, what might harm me, start involving yourself with the kind of thoughts uh, of a God who has your best interest mm -hmm. and the best interest of this world uh, mm. uh, uh, in, in mind. Mm. And allow those kind of influences to start forming your desire. Mm. forming your participation in our world. Mm. And our prayer is, even during this beautiful season of giving, that you would encounter some surprising events, that the God who who is always present wants to surprise you with an experience of his presence that you might not have had before. Tangibly. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that's my prayer for all of you. Dom, do you have a last word or thought that you want to share? I think you summed it up nicely. Thanks so much for inviting me to be a part of this conversation. Uh, we so appreciate, appreciate your voice, uh, <laughs> my friend. And Thank you for joining us today. And please don't forget to subscribe on our website, qyourapodcast.com.